Welcome to Get Your Goat. This is Josh here with you, out of breath. Oh man, I am defeated. Just had a crazy, crazy workout, and I am feeling it in my chest and my whole body. Uh, I'm not a huge cardio kind of guy. You know, I maybe do like light walks here and there, and that's it. But the workout I did today was insane that I was put through, very difficult, uh, high intensity, high movement, every minute on the minute type stuff, not a lot of time to rest at all, it was just going, 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 definitely got my heart rate up, definitely feeling it, but I am ready to talk about sports, but first, on a serious note, uh, Tiger Woods was in a car accident Yesterday, uh, hit a tree, uh, car roll over uh, hundreds of feet, and he was in a serious accident, uh, was in surgery, but it is not life-threatening. None of his injuries are life-threatening. He is recovering now. So my thoughts are with Tiger Woods and his family, how much he means uh, to the game of golf and to really so many more people. In general, and I love Tiger Woods, you know, uh, watching him play, uh, of course, only being 21 years old. I wasn't able to watch him in his prime prime and really comprehend uh, what how great he was. Uh, for most of my life watching sports, he was never really relevant other than the 2013 season and his Masters. Uh, you just know from highlights that you watch how great he was but my dad huge tiger fan uh reason he loves golf is because of tiger a lot of people reason why they love golf and golf matters is because of tiger woods that's how much he means to the game it means to so much people uh you don't see kids going out there uh without playing the game without the knowledge of tiger woods and how great he is because of how much he means to the game of golf and especially after watching the Tiger documentary on HBO, uh, just knowing of the scandal, but how great great it really was, and how his name was thrown through the mud and everybody associated with him as well, seeing the rise of Tiger Woods, uh, this militant training by his dad to you know, emotion out of it, it's just all game, focused on winning, being great, being this bridge, Uh, the expectations that he had on his shoulders, really uncomprehendable, uh, the weight that he had, and for the first half, most of his career, he delivered on it, he was the man in golf, and people loved him, he was respected, he was the guy. And then he had his uh, sex scandal, and that hurt him. And then the injuries that he had to his back, uh, that really crushed him as well. So a lot of factors and a lot of things. But he is the greatest golfer of all time. That is debatable since he hasn't reached Jack Nicklaus' record of majors or and probably won't do that in his career. But how much he did within a short time span, uh, he is 
just an amazing guy. We see him now as a father to his daughter Sam and son Charlie and see him training with Charlie and seeing how much he means to him and so many people around the game, the young players that come up. Uh, he's just touched a lot of people. So my thoughts are with Tiger Woods. Now, moving on to the NFL and really focusing on the Seattle Seahawks. Oh man, the Seahawks. They're always one to talk about. Uh, what do I want to talk about first? K.J. Wright or Russell Wilson? I'll talk about Russell Wilson because it's so amusing how this kind of you know trade rumor prop popped up from nowhere uh, through the season. You know nobody thought he would get traded. Nobody thought there would be any rumors or anything. You know there's always like business. It's a business. There's always this one percent chance that there could be a rumor or something happen. Now there's rumors every day. Uh, I I don't know if people are just. Toying and playing, I don't think anything's going to happen. It's like, oh, of course he makes public statements that fuel these rumors about his offensive line and how more he wants to be involved. All things totally understandable. The event escalates to uh, Seahawks want at least three first-round draft picks for Russell Wilson. It's like, well, that came out of left field. So, you know, the more fire on these rumors, uh, you just never know what to expect in the league at all if you were to be traded. And if you were to be traded, I think it would be one of the dumbest moves uh, Seattle has ever done, and that to me would probably be the end of the Pete Carroll era era as well. Uh, They'd probably keep Pete Carroll around for another year or two, but uh, he would be gone shortly after that because he wouldn't win any games. Pete Carroll is the cancer behind this team. And why they do not succeed in the mentality that he brings. Yes, he's this you know fun coach who's old, but he acts like he's young, and the guys love that in the championship pedigree. But he no longer brings that championship pedigree to the table. Uh, he hasn't won a championship in a long time, uh, choking constantly in the playoffs. Uh, you cannot have that. And I'll get more onto the Seahawks mentality in a second. But it doesn't seem like the culture, like you win in Kansas City or Tampa Bay, teams buying in, going all in, all players feeling that way. It does not feel that way in Seattle. It feels like some players are valued over others, and it's shown. And that whole organization seems like a mess. If I was general manager, John Schneider... I'd want to get out of there as soon as possible. If I was Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll stays, I'd want to get out of there as soon as possible. Maybe I'd make, you know, you know, if you make a public trade request, it kind of hurts your team because you know that, hey, he wants to leave and you don't get as good value as you do. So if I were the Seahawks, I'd definitely explore getting the best value right now before anything boils over to the top. Uh, he's 32 years old. Definitely is tradable. Definitely a, t- a lot of teams want him. I see teams uh, taking four or five draft picks out for him. Uh, easy. Same as Deshaun Watson. Uh, very two comparable quarterbacks. Of course, Russell with a more experience. But both those quarterbacks, I could see getting traded in the hall being substantial. 
then of course you get a haul like that for the Seahawks. You just have to capitalize on the draft picks and players that you get. That is key because you hit a home run in Russell Wilson in the third round. Very likely that you do not repeat that same home run. So if you are the Seahawks, uh, you know you're kind of just this laughing stock right now, uh, messing with uh, Russell Wilson. So you're going to have to just put these trade rumors to ease uh, firmly and indefinitely, or you're going to have to trade him or just give in to his wishes, build around him, and do well and let Russell Wilson cook. Now, I'm not leaving the Seahawks. I have to talk about KJ right now, uh, who just wants to bring Seahawks into the news all the time. He's on the last year of his contract, and he will not be taking a hometown discount. He's one of their longest tenured players, and he will not take that discount. He says he does too much on the football field, gives too much to take any sort of discount. And you know what? He also said when you win championships and you have a championship uh, pedigree and that's what you want to do, you have to compensate players. And I totally agree with that sentiment. You do have to compensate players for playing well. You do. You play well. You earn the right to make more money. Uh, But here's a problem. You're 31 years old. This is a young man's NFL. It's a young man league. It is. I'm sorry, Bobby Wagner, but you're 31. You're past the 30 age mark where you're not highly touted anymore. Yes, you're a nice veteran piece, but you are no longer a hot commodity in the NFL. Yes, you set your career highs last year. Led the NFL in a few statistics like tackles for loss, especially that's huge for a linebacker. He plays both inside and outside linebacker, but the year before, he had an injury-riddled season. So with that, being 31 years old, already making around $7 million, I don't see him getting a huge pay raise. Yes, there might be teams with a lot of cap space like Jaguars who see a need and can't overpay him. But you would be dumb to overpay this man because I don't see the Seahawks paying him a huge amount of money. They are paying Bobby Wagner, the best, arguably the best linebacker in the league. I think he's the best linebacker in the league, uh, like $18 million a year. They're not going to tie up a bunch of money to one position. They're not, and they don't really have the money to do so. Maybe they can give you a raise to $10 million, but that hinders other people on the team, other people getting extensions. Uh, you know, Devin White is just making around just as much as you uh, for linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And guess what? Devin White is better than you. He's younger than you. If anybody's getting a raise, it's going to be Devin White and not you, KJ. I'm sorry, but that's just the attitude it is. And you see that mentality. He talks about winning championships, compensating players. I agree. But he will not take a hometown discount. He means too much. He is focusing right now on his uh, money. 
over actually winning championships. Uh, you see that with uh, younger players. You know, younger players, you know, want to win, want to get their rings, and then uh, they can take their money and they're, when they're older and try to cash out if that works well for them. If not, they try to get paid up front if they're not on a good team to just at least maximize their earnings. And this is a team sport. A lot of players in the salary cap era, you see Tom Brady taking less money to win games, uh, bringing that mentality. Mike Evans said he'd be willing to take less. Uh, Chris Godwin says he does want a pay raise, and deservedly so. He deserves one, but he says he also knows winning championships is just as important. So to you, that's where your legacy lies, because guess what? If you're a legacy man... Nobody remembers you for the amount of money you make unless, you know, you end up having a terrible uh, year with a great, with a huge contract and terrible years. They do remember for that, like, hey, that's a warning example. But your legacy is defined by Super Bowl wins, rings, and he only has one. Uh, So he's 31. He's in a tough division, tough conference. He probably doesn't see himself winning any other rings in his lifetime unless he's older and he's not uh, one of the main pieces on a defense. Levante David for the Bucks makes $10 million. Devin White makes seven. I mean, maybe if other people uh, step up in the Seahawks, but you have the Seahawks mentality of, I want to get paid, I get compensated, uh, Richard Sherman felt that way. Earl Thomas felt that way. That's the mentality over there. And that's why they only won one championship back in 2014 when most of their money uh, was spent on a defensive line and running back and quarterback Russell Wilson didn't make a lot of money. Other players were in low ends of their contract like Michael Bennett and Richard Sherman. And then after that, they all want their money, and they're like, shoot, we paid all these guys, now we will not be getting back to the Super Bowl anytime soon. And the Seahawks will not be with the players' mentality of wanting to get compensated more than they want rings. Sometimes it's important to look at the guys who've done it like Tom Brady and say, hey, I'm willing to take a little less to bring other people in and have a great team. Because I know great teams win championships in the NFL, not just one great player. When there's so many positions, that means so much in the game of the NFL. So Devin, or KJ Wright, if you want to have that ego, you want your money, you can go somewhere else where they'll pay you. But don't be upset when you don't get close to winning a ring, when you don't get close to being in the playoffs, all right? Then, other NFL news. Steelers president says he wants Big Ben back. He wants Ben Roethlisberger back on his team. This is very smart. I totally agree with the Steelers president. Bring him back. Bring Big Ben back, yes. Getting to 39 years old. But this is important because you actually have a very decent, winnable roster. Is it like the Chiefs or the Titans? No, it is not. Where 
or yeah, but or the Bills, my bad, the Bills and the Chiefs, where it's that high, where you're kind of a two above everybody else. Steelers are not like that, but they have a great defense uh, with T.J. Watt, Devin Bush, uh, and then their skill players are good with Chase Claypool, Juju Smith, Schuster, uh, James Conner. Their offensive line is decent. So really, if they didn't have Ben Roethlisberger, they would have a huge hole at quarterback. Uh, and with the way they're picking, they were 12-4, and four, won their division. Uh, they don't have a high draft pick to kind of get a QB, and there's not a lot of highly touted QBs on free agency. You know, if they were to pull off a trade for Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, I'd totally be fine with that. But it would be best to bring him back, agree on a contract restructure for him to make less money. And that would be huge too, because that would help their salary cap out. And if he's willing to take a less, less amount, then they can sign some other players for depth and try to compete with the Chiefs or the Bills for a spot in AFC supremacy. But like I said, they were 12-4 and four, uh, due to a hot 11-0 start. Uh, then they kind of faltered but still won their division. But you look at the division, and they're all set at quarterback you have the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, uh, who had a struggling year this year after having a great year. I could see them rebounding. Uh, they're at 11-5. and five. The Browns were at 11-5. and five. They have Baker Mayfield, who's doing great, getting picked his fifth option, fifth year option, getting picked up. And then the Cleveland, uh, actually, no, my bad, the Cincinnati Bengals have Joe Burrow, their overall number one draft pick from last year who tore his ACL, but he'll be back and healthy. He looked really good. He was winning games. Uh, we'll see what he brings to the table, but all these teams have stability at quarterback, and that's exactly what they need to stay around in contention for the division and for the conference. So bringing Big Ben around for a another year, salary, front cap, or contract, salary-friendly uh, will be great for them. It makes all the sense in the world. And then if you get lucky, if a Mac Jones, Big Ben-type-looking uh, guy, Tom Brady-esque type uh, falls to your lap, then guess what? You pull the trigger and you take him. You definitely take Mac Jones, and if a quarterback falls to you with your pick, you take it, and then you can trade him up this year and still be relevant for years to come. That will be moved to make. Who knows if Mac Jones falls to you or what quarterbacks will or not, but that would be huge. If not, then this year you can, or this whole season and next offseason, you can prioritize on finding your next quarterback to fit with your roster. But yes, definitely bring Big Ben back, as bringing him back does more good than harm. Unless you totally want to tank. But there would be more to that because they have a decent roster which can win. Moving on. Next sport topic. The NBA. What do I have to say about the NBA? Not much. Why is that? Well, 
It's because the Lakers, the L.A. Lakers, screwed me over to the Wizards. I had them beating the Wizards, rebounding, and they lost. They lost. They lost. Their defense looked bad. Couldn't stop anything. Uh, We all know the Wizards' defense is terrible. But without AD, we see how compromised this defensive unit really is. Uh, With AD not in there, uh, LeBron doesn't do as much defensively. He focuses more on offense. He doesn't have AD yelling in his ear to pick it up, play defense. That's not happening. So the Wizards, Wizards, Washington Wizards, walked into the bucket every time. Same with the Lakers. Bradley Beal and Westbrook were sensational, dropping over 30-plus apiece. Westbrook handing out dimes, great assists, getting rebounds, as he always does, close to getting a triple-double, as always. They look great, but so did LeBron and Montrez Harrell. Uh, LeBron had 31 points. Uh, Harrell off the bench added like 26 around there. He looked great. Uh, to me, this Lakers offense looked good. Uh, their defense did not. But to me, what have I said about this Lakers team? The whole Lakers team has to be consistent. Not one of them can score zero points because if that happens, they will lose. And you know what happened? One of their starting players had zero points. A big goose egg. You know who that was? It was one of the two main culprits. If you didn't watch the game or didn't know, I've been talking about Markeith Morris or Wesley Matthews. Ones that, you know, just run around, maybe get two points combined, three points combined. One of them gets zero. When they win, guess what? They score more than that, and it's closer. So who was the culprit this time? Who got zero points? Which one of those two players? It was guard Wesley Matthews, who had zero points. And it wasn't just, you know, zero points in four minutes or anything like that. It was zero points in 26 minutes. Not scoring for 26 minutes. And he only took, like, Three shots, three, five shots. So he's just running around the court. That's what he's doing. I can run around the court. A lot of people can run around the court for 26 minutes. Wesley Matthews, you need to step it up. You need to do better. LeBron needs you. This team needs you. You can't be doing that. Consistently, it's fine if it's you know one uh, point or uh, one game here or there. You know, one out of ten. You know, it won't be fine. It'll be like, ooh, hopefully that doesn't come at the time needed most. But when you are consistently putting up zero points in great minutes, when you're consistently doing that and consistently having zero to two points a game consistently, when I'm talking about this regularly. That is not a good sign. That is not the sign of an NBA star player. In this league, it's not a starting player. No, it is not. Either Frank Vogel has to evaluate, cut you on the minutes, put you in less, 
look for a trade. But Wesley, you cannot be doing that. If you made one of your shots, who knows, this game doesn't even go into overtime where they lose by three. You hit one of your threes. How different a game that would be if you just hit one of your shots. So Wesley Matthews, please start hitting your shots. The Lakers need it. LeBron needs it. Uh, The league needs it because we want to see the Lakers run it back. And with you, you, Wesley, throwing up goose eggs like that, you're the one to blame. Nobody else I will blame on this team. They will get their grief when they hit their zero-point stride like you. Warriors-Pacers are on tonight. Malcolm Brogdon of the Pacers going against... Steph Curry of the Warriors. Who do I have tonight and why? I am picking the Warriors tonight confidently because they have Steph Curry, uh, MVP candidate in my top five best players in the NBA right now, playing sensational, uh, nearly 50% uh, from the field. He is putting up one of his classic uh, 50, 40, 90, whatever that is, that's what he does. He's playing uh, just amazing, even with teams throwing two players at him. He's just running around. He can create his own shot. He is just so talented. A uh, great catch-the-ball shooter as well. Uh, Steph Curry is an assassin who just takes the heart and soul out of your team and I see this being a back-and-forth battle with the Pacers, as the Pacers are extremely uh, talented. They are a good team with depth, and I see this being a good, good matchup in Indiana, but I do not see them pulling it off. I have the Warriors winning this game. So that's one. Next one on ESPN after that game will be the Lakers in the Jazz. Oh, great. Another Lakers game for me to pick. Who do I want to pick? You know who I want to pick. You know who I'm rooting for? I'm rooting for LeBron. I'm rooting for the Lakers. That's what I do. But I cannot pick the Lakers tonight. I cannot do it. I am picking the Jazz. The Jazz are the best team in the whole NBA. They're at home. They don't really lose at home. Donovan Mitchell uh, playing great, 24 points a game. Rudy Gobert has 14 rebounds a game, averaging uh, around a double-double. I mean, he is playing great. Uh, Mike Conley is great. Uh, Royce O'Neal is great. Michael Porter is great. This team is great. They're really coming together. And the Jazz are going to get this done. They are behind their tough defense and great uh, three-point shooting attack. I have the Jazz winning. And I actually have the Jazz winning big. I don't see the Lakers doing much in this game except kind of rolling over and uh, quitting. Uh, Maybe LeBron puts up a good effort from him, but I don't see him putting up like a Herculean type effort where it was like 0-9 Cleveland uh, versus the big three Celtics where he's dropping 
50 points and 12 rebounds, 12 assists. I don't see that tonight. Uh, Jazz are going to take care of business. And I've lost all faith uh, with the Lakers uh, when we do not have AD on the court. He means so much to this team. So with him not on the court after that loss to the Wizards, I don't know if I'm going to be picking the Lakers anytime soon for the foreseeable future. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop rooting for him. I'm still going to root for them. Still a LeBron fan. Love LeBron. Still rooting strong. But realistically, I do not see the Lakers winning this game or a lot of games without Anthony Davis. That is just the facts that are presented and the facts that we have to look at. Now, shifting from a professional basketball uh, to college basketball. Yesterday was upset city for college hoops. It was insane. Michigan State beat Illinois. Uh, Illinois is number five. Michigan State unranked. Illinois was locked in as one of the two seeds. That was a huge one for Michigan State and a huge loss for Illinois. Uh, unranked Georgia Tech beat Virginia Tech. Kansas State beat number seven Oklahoma. Some have the pegged as a two seed, some as a three seed. And then unranked Ole Miss beat Missouri 24. And then Iowa State almost upset Baylor. So it was just a lot of craziness yesterday in college basketball. But that is the greatness of college basketball. And that's why it's so fun to watch. You never know who's going to win on a given night. There's upsets all the time. It keeps you on your toes. That's what makes college basketball amazing, so fun to watch. And that's why I'll be watching more college basketball tonight. One top 25 matchup on, and that is Alabama versus Arkansas. Alabama, the sixth ranked team in the nation, Arkansas 20. And this is a tough one for me to pick. Arkansas is the home favorite by a little bit more. And when you look at these teams, they are very similar, very good in the SEC. Arkansas, to me, is a tad more efficient and balanced offensively, uh, led by Moses Moody. But this will be a great uh, guard matchup uh, between Arkansas's Moses Moody and Alabama's Jalen Shackelford. Uh, this is going to be a great game. I can see it going both ways. Uh You know, one part of me is telling me to pick Alabama. One part of me is telling me to pick Arkansas. And with what I just laid out, you know, I think I would pick Arkansas. But I'm going, ooh, ooh. But I want to go with Alabama. I want to go with Arkansas. This, to me, is a flip of a coin. I don't have any huge rooting interest. But if I were to flip a coin, I think I'm going to go with Arkansas. I hope I don't regret it. But again, this is a 50-50 shot for me. This could go either way. But I think Arkansas is just going to barely squeak it out. They're only two-point home favorites, and I could see that line staying there or uh, closing a little bit more. Moving on now to the Ice Hockey League NHL. Monday, I was right about my predictions. The Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Hurricanes 
and the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Avalanche. I was that was a good night for me. And then yesterday was an even better night. My Pittsburgh Penguins beat the Capitals, our hated rivals in overtime. Penguins were definitely the better team. They were flying all over the ice. They had the speed. They looked faster. Uh, they were dominating. They had more shots. In the offensive zone, they looked good. And Kapanen was great, too. His best game of the season. After that earlier benching in the last game, he really rebounded and played well. Uh, got the game-winning overtime goal. Can't be said about his effort. And both goaltenders uh, were solid. Both Vita Vanacek for the Capitals and Tristan Jari of the Penguins. Uh, Jari just played a little bit better, even though he didn't face as many shots. But the Penguins are climbing up there. A lot of te- people pegged them as not happening in the, after the first quarter of games. But a lot of Penguins are now on more people's radar than just mine. Other NHL news, head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, Claude Julien, was fired today and was replaced with interim coach Dominique Ducharme. Uh, this was big news because the Canadiens started off so hot. They really were doing so well. They were battling and for first with the Maple Leafs. Their games were going back and forth, but they have not looked good the past couple of weeks. They've only won two of their last eight games and just had shocking back-to-back loss against the Senators, the Ottawa Senators, the bottom feeders of the NHL this year. The ones pegged they were going to be the worst. And the Senators just beat them twice. So I kind of first saw this being the last straw for the Canadians. They fired Claude Julien. They got him out. And since they've shown that they can win... They can compete with the top teams of the North Division, such as Edmonton and Toronto. It was time for Claude to go, and I totally respect and get that decision. So we will see how they recover and they move going forward with their new head coach. Now, Monday, I gave you my top five in the NBA. I am now giving you my top five in the NHL. My number five team right now playing is the Vegas Golden Knights. Other than their previous Lake Tahoe loss this past weekend, they have looked really good. They have been winning games behind the strong goaltending performance of Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury is playing really well with uh, Leonard having injury problems. Andre Fleury has been steadfast in net, uh, stopping shots, uh, leading the league in save percentage, uh, doing so well in wins, and really not giving up more than like two goals a game, it seems like, other than that one loss they had to the Avalanche. So they're looking good. Uh, after his long stretch against the Avalanche, uh, he just shut them out. He shut them out before. So he is looking good. This team is looking good with Mark Stone. Uh, and I just, I, I really can't say, I can only say 
so much about Marc-Andre Fleury. I love him so much. Being a Penguins fan, just the save he had the other night was incredible. Last year he had the save, like, save of the year. This year it's kind of looking similar. He is just so good. So my number five team is the Vegas Golden Knights. Number four, drum roll please, Boston Bruins. One of my most hated teams of all time. But I have to put them here at number four. Because their offense is really, really good. Yes, they are top heavy. That line of Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand. But they get it done. Pasta, David Pasternak, has played amazing this year. Continuing his streak of last year. Getting points, assists. Goals. We saw his hat trick at the Lake Tahoe game, and he had a hat trick a couple games before that against the Flyers. He just has a knack for getting the puck end of a back of a net. He has played well. Uh, Rask has played well. Goaltending, really, the only issues I see with this team is kind of their depth from top to bottom, getting to those bottom lines, and then little defensive issues. But I see that with the Knights as well, but just more consistent offensive issues throughout their lineup. But to me, the Bruins deserve respect at number four. Number three, the Edmonton Oilers. They are sneaking up on you, and guess what? It seems like they're always start off hot every season. They kind of peter out, but right now they are... In very good stretch of winning four games in a row. Looking good. Led by one of the best players in the league. Connor McDavid. Producing points at a crazy level. Looks like he's taking home the Art Ross trophy uh, right away for uh, most points. uh, Leading the league in assists. He has a ton of goals. This team is playing really well. And when they're that potent on offense, uh, their power play is that good, and their scoring goals, it is going to be hard to lose other than a night where you go cold shooting and your goalie goes cold. But uh, their goalie has looked very solid in net. Uh, Koskinen, so I can't say anything bad about him. And same with Mike Smith. He has looked great as well, that tandem. So number three is the Edmonton Oilers, deservedly so. Number two, the big sleeper, the Florida Panthers. Who would have thought they would have been leading the Central still? Not me, not this guy. I did not think that one bit. Uh... But they're playing well. They're winning games. Yes, they've had a lot of games against the Red Wings where they won, but they beat them handily. They beat the Stars. They beat the Lightning, scored six goals on them. Uh, Five goals uh, beat the Predators. So, no, this team is just winning against all the competition in their division. And just like I mentioned uh, with Edmonton, same with Florida. They are potent on offense. They are really really good. It's legit. Uh, You didn't know with uh, Huberto and uh, 
Dreiger, but they are just playing really well, really solid. It's going to be nice to see if they can keep it up in this division. They are getting a ton of shots on net, generating a lot of scoring chances, and that's what's needed to win games in this league. And the Panthers are doing just that. Now, number one, who is it? None other than the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're the best team in the NHL. A league leading 30 points. Yes, they played a lot of games. But Austin Matthews is playing on an insane level. His goal-scoring pace, he's on pace for like 54 goals in 56 games or something like that. He just had a huge point streak of like 18 games or something like that, 16 games. That just was broken. He's playing well. Him and Marner both together on a line are so good. So yes, their streak was just snapped against the Flames Monday night. But before that, they were reeling, scoring a lot of goals led by none other than Austin Matthews. The best team in the league is the Toronto Maple Leafs. So again, my top five is the Vegas Golden Knights, the Boston Bruins, the Edmonton Oilers, the Florida Panthers, and last if not least, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now tonight, the two games I'm going to pick, there's a lot the Hurricanes Lightning I could pick, but I've been picking them. Stars Panthers. I'm going to go with the two games on NBCSN. The first game, Rangers and the Flyers. Um, Monday, I talked about the New York Rangers no longer having Artemi Panarin on the team uh, with the assault allegations uh, coming over from Latvia slash Russia. So that's a huge loss on this team, especially with Truba being out. Uh, but the Flyers have kind of been reeling lately as well, losing to the Bruins. So to me, this is a very, very tight game, I suspect. But I have to go with the Flyers. I'm rooting for the Rangers. I want the Rangers to win. But just the better half of me is telling, just pick the win, Josh. Pick the Flyers. They're looking to rebound to home. And then with Panarin, that's a huge loss as well. Let's see how the Rangers play with Panarin before we get any feedback on that. But the, Ra- but the Flyers, other than playing the Bruins, have been playing really well, especially James and Reamsdyk, uh, leading them in goals, assists, points. He is playing great. Uh, Carter Hart is goalie. A uh, little shaky. Uh, but mostly just against the Bruins again. So he's playing well. Next game I'll pick is the Kings and the Blues. Kings are surprising uh, winning. Didn't think that was going to happen, but they're, I thought those two games against the Arizona Coyotes were sort of a fluke, but they have proved out not to be. They're really good, but to me, the Blues are just better uh, they are. I'm picking the Blues. I'm sorry. I cannot pick the Flyers at all. Uh, I mean the Kings. 
at all. It's just another hated team. I cannot pick or root for, so no, they don't get anything from me at all. So that is it for sports. Uh, that's it. Uh, stock news. Market just closed. It had a good day today. The market was up. For me, a lot of stocks were up. A few were down after hours. It looks like it's about half and half uh, with things being down, things being up. But the market is up after hours. So that is huge. Uh to me, the craziest thing was definitely Tesla. Uh, yesterday, how it was uh, went to like six ten, then back up to seven hundred, back down to six eighty, and then today it kind of skyrocketed back up to seven forty two, and was all just a crazy anomaly of people buying the Tesla dip. Now it's skyrocketing back up. And who knows where it will reach soon. But that is definitely something to watch with Tesla if you are into the stock market. Movie reviews. I have nothing new. Uh, My next one is Minari. I'll be watching that tonight. Another South Korean film. I really don't know much about it. Just know a little bit. But I will update you guys on my next podcast on how I feel that movie is and slash will do for Golden Globes slash SAGs and any potential Oscar nominations. Definitely looking forward to that movie, though. But my next podcast podcast and next ones, I want to start talking about my Mount Rushmore of sports, of sports categories, and see where we can go from there, see if you guys disagree or agree with me. Uh, but before I go, you know I have to give you my get your goat take. My unpopular take that you know, maybe you agree with but would be unpopular. But I think the best thing for the Seattle Seahawks would to be is to trade Russell Wilson, get a lot of draft capital, and then why stop there? Why stop there? You then you should trade Bobby Wagner. Don't re-sign KJ Wright. Get draft picks for Bobby Wagner. You do that. Trade Tyler Lockett. Get draft picks for him as well. Trade Shaq Griffin. Get draft picks. Trade Jamal Adams. Get your draft picks back. So then the only star player you have is DK Metcalf, and then you have so many draft picks. You can draft a young quarterback. You can do this roster with all these draft picks. You can do, because it's been a while since you drafted. It seems like every other year you get a first-round pick. It doesn't pan out well, but maybe just try it. You never know, because you're not winning in this division right now with Matthew Stafford and the Rams. The 49ers have come up again now past her injury. And the rise of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. You're in a tough division. Just call it quits. You had the past 10 years to win more than one championship. Oh, and guess what? You only won one. Definitely could have won two. Uh, This year was promising. Uh, There's been a few years where it was promising. How about it's just time to hang them up, Seattle. Just go ahead and do that. Relive, uh, Relieve Seahawks fans so they're not wondering anymore. And then 
they can just be happy about a rebuild and the potential of being good, not this Clyde and Jekyll type of game you like to play with us anymore. I think that would be for the best. That's my get-your-go take. Yes, extremely unpopular, but has to be said. I will say it. Maybe I'll come up with some hypothetical draft picks slash trade mock-ups for you guys. But until then, everybody, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week until I talk to you again soon. Bye, everybody.